today on It's Time. If we know God's Word, that's going to help us defend ourselves against the devil. The devil doesn't like the Bible because it's truth. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Now, these things that we read about are not meant to scare Christians to death, okay? But what they really are, I believe, is first of all, that you would know that God's Word is true, because one thing the Bible has in it, no other religious book has, is prophecy. Because you're immediately found out to be a fraud if you put something in there and it doesn't happen, you know it's not true. You can discount everything. But the Bible puts prophecy so you know that this is the real deal. Now, case in point, Jesus said Jerusalem would be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. This is found in Luke 21. And at the time Jesus said that, that was kind of ridiculous. Jerusalem was under Roman control. And yet Jesus said that Jerusalem would be fully under Jewish control again. And the generation that sees this is the last generation. By the way, friends, I believe that would be you and me. Now, here's what's weird about all this. Jesus, when he said that, under Roman control, Jerusalem was... But then what makes it even more incredible, there was a general named Titus. And because of Jerusalem's continual rebellion against the Roman government, Titus, this Roman general, came in and leveled the city of Jerusalem. I mean, tore it down, burned it. There was nothing left of it. And yet what was so amazing is that Jesus said Jerusalem would be under Jewish control. Today, Jerusalem is under Jewish control just the way Jesus said it would happen. Well, why is that important to us? It helps us determine where we're at in the timeline of humanity. Now, remember, God lives outside of time, but we live in time. That's why, again, as I always share this, I look for the best date on the milk when I buy it, or how old is the car, or how many, how many years old is the hot water heater. Time affects us, but God doesn't, is not affected by time. Well, when we look at this, God writes these things out as if they, they just happened just now. Well, that's for our benefit. Again, not to scare us, but I believe for the people who do not go in what's called the rapture of the church. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. I believe it's going to help them navigate through the worst period of time on the history of the world. Because the Bible tells us that there is a judgment coming on this earth. In fact, Jesus said, when he takes this church home, he said, it'll be as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. This is found in Matthew chapter 24. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, party time. 
And Jesus comes, the Bible says, and takes us away. Now, remember, if you go back, the time of Noah, that's what they were doing. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They didn't know about an impending judgment called the great flood. Well, again, the second coming of Christ is quite different. The second coming of Christ, if you read anything after Revelation 16 on, mere survival is all man is going to be able to do. Because the Bible says every living thing in the sea has died. Two-thirds of the world's population is gone. Every mountain and island has moved out of its place, which speaks of giant tectonic plate movement, which is going to change the shorelines, going to change the topography of the world. And the Bible says that the people still blaspheme God and they wouldn't repent of their wickedness. So why is this important? Well, it's so that we know what is going to happen. See, Jesus said, henceforth, I'll no longer call you servants. I'll call you friends. Because a servant does not know what his master's about to do. But because you're my friends, it's God's good pleasure to let us know. Why is that? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. One, to encourage you. Hey, no trial lasts forever. Okay, that's the first one. Number two, I believe it helps motivate us when it comes to our friends. I I believe that it's good to have relationships with people, to strike up conversation and to strike up and become involved in their life in some way to help them, to make their life better in some way so that you earn the right to share the gospel with them so that they too could go to heaven and miss these things that the book of Revelation speaks of. So again, I don't believe it's so much to scare us because we in Christ know that these things, well, the great rewards in the Bible speaks of are for us, but the punishments are for those who won't repent. But the idea then is that God would give us that unction so that we would have that fire to reach out to the lost. Now, we started in chapter two and three And chapter 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation speaks of the age of the church, which I believe we're in right now. And we talked about how all these churches that God instructed John to write to were in existence in those days. I believe these same type of churches are all existing today in the world because people are people. Churches are made of people. And so God knows basically the composite of how we all think and what we do. But it also talks about the history of the church as well. Now we come into two churches today, the church of brotherly love, the church of Philadelphia and the church of Laodicea. I believe these are the two prevalent churches in the world today. And I'm not talking about a name brand like River Fellowship or the First Christian Church or Assembly of God or something. I'm talking about believers at large, the mental and the spiritual attitude within believers. Again, going into church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. But the thing is, is that we do know that churches are comprised of people. And you're going to find true believers, I believe, in true denominations who follow and believe in who Jesus Christ is. But that doesn't mean everybody that goes to church is a Christian. And that is sometimes what oftentimes the world will focus on. Well, I'd go to church, but it's full of hypocrites. Well, friends, there's a little hypocrisy, honestly, in every one of us. In fact, if you go to the book of Genesis, it said God made us in his image. 
Do you realize you, me, we're all God's representative? If we're made in his image, then how did we represent God to the world this week? Now that can be a little scary, can it? But the good news is God forgives, God strengthens, God loves, and he gives us a brand new start every day. David said, King David, man after God's own heart, he said, God's promises are new every morning. How important it is that we understand how that rejuvenation that God does in our life is for each one of us. And so he says um, in verse 7, and we're just going to go to that, but before we do, now let's pray. Father, as we open your word today, we ask you that these words are not just ink on paper, but they actually become part of our heart and our life to motivate us, to keep us in love with you, to cause us to come closer to you, and Lord, to remind us to become involved in other people's lives so we can share the gospel with them, reach out to them, and bless them in Jesus' name. And so we ask you now, as we read these words, that you would, Holy Spirit, energize them, And God, that we would remember them in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7, we find the Church of Philadelphia being written to. Now, very quickly, in the history of things, we we looked at the Catholic Church. We looked at the Reformation, the, the Protestant Reformation. In fact, God said concerning the Protestant Reformation, you have a name that lives, but you're dead. How many Christian churches today do we see that are dead? They've taken the miracles of God, the things that God's word says, and they somehow try to explain them away that it was just, uh, well, you know, when, when Moses came across the Red Sea, Moses was really clever and he knew where the shallow spots were. So the children of Israel hopped from rock to rock as they went across the Red Sea. And so it just was like the Red Sea parted explaining away the miracles of God, which really honestly makes the miracle even greater because all of Pharaoh's army then drowned in about two inches of water, and I don't know how that happens. But they like to explain away the great things of God. They have a name that lives, the Bible says, but they're dead. And you look at many of the denominational churches in the world today, in America today, that were once on fire, reaching out, doing so many things for the kingdom of heaven, now have become just, just dead orthodoxy that it's not even a relationship with God anymore. It's rules and regulations and, and goop. <laughs> God wants that personal relationship with us. Verse 7. And to the angel, and the word angel, again, for those that are perhaps new listening today, the angel, the word is the word for messenger. So to the messenger of the church in Philadelphia, right. Now there's a couple of thoughts. One, I do believe that God supernaturally protects his own. So I do believe there is an angel. I do also believe that there's a messenger, perhaps the pastor it could be referring to. But it means literally to the church of Philadelphia, right, the church of brotherly love, the faithful church. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Isn't that weird that when you walk in Christ, God will open the doors where he wants you to go and close the doors where he doesn't. You know, it's in, in Matthew 7, 7, it says that we are to ask and seek 
and knock. You know, a lot of people want to know God's will for their life. And I think if you're a Christian listening today in this room, you, you, I believe we all want to know God's will. God, what do you want me to do? Ah! Well, the Bible tells us how to find God's will. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, the words in the Greek are repetitive. It means ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. I like that. Because in other words, it keeps me, you, from becoming complacent and fat, dumb, and happy where we're at. Well, I'm just going to sit here. God used me once. That's a, No, God wants to do something new, brand new, in your life every day. And so because he wants to do something new in your life, I need to go to God and get the marching orders every day. That's why I can call him Daddy. Daddy, what do you want me to do for you today? You know, sometimes it's just to smile at somebody. Sometimes it's just to help somebody. Sometimes it's just to become involved in somebody else's life so you can then, again, you've earned the right to share the gospel with them. I believe that, again, as we look at this, he tells us he's opened, no one shuts, shuts, and no one opens. That ought to take great comfort in all of our lives to know that God directs us by circumstances. Now, you say, well, God, I just really ask you that you do this for me today. And if God closes the door, God has a different path for you. Don't be mad if God ever says no to any of your your prayers. uh, Whenever you pray, God has three answers. Yes, no, and wait. But in the waiting sometimes, God works out details in other people's lives. And so if he ever tells you wait, that means that he is working things out in your life and in their life. He opens doors and he closes them and no one can tamper with that. Why? Because you're his kids. That's always important to remember. So he says, he opens, no one shuts, shuts, and no one opens. I know your works. And by the way, God does. He knows what we do for him individually and collectively. And I believe that's important. You can do more oftentimes with a group of people of like-minded heart than you can by yourself. I thank God that right now what we're sharing here is going around the world. It's going out over 400 stations. It, it, it's, it's on the internet. It's, on all, it's, it's everywhere. But that's not something because I could do that myself. It's something because we that all share in the same vision do that together. And so he says, I know your works. God knows what we do. See, I have set before you an open door. Oh, those open doors are great, aren't they? God says, green light, run. I like that. I don't want to walk. I want to run. Be about daddy's business. I've opened a door before you. And no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, it's interesting here. He says, you have a little strength. Um, When I asked the question, we're created in God's image. How well did we represent him this week? I think about that. And I think about how I wish I would represent him better than I do. And I think about that little strength that it talks about here. Do you have a little strength this morning in your Christian relationship with God? pray you do, because if you do, God's going to use you in a great way. He's going to open a door for you. Notice it says, this church, you have a little strength. It doesn't say he has a mega church. (laughs) He just says, you have a little strength. But a little with God is a lot. 
Always remember, you and God in any circumstance is a majority. And that's really important to never forget. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. I like that. You have kept my word. Now, again, why is that important? If you don't know God's word, how can you keep God's word? That's why if you're going to a church that is focusing upon uh, self-realization or, uh, you know, motivational speaking, well, you might walk out of the church energized, but your spirit, your, your um, heart is word-deprived. You've kept my word. If I don't know his word, I have a pretty hard time keeping it, so I need to know what God's word says. You have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan. It is weird. Those in the synagogue of Satan. Do you know that devil has a church? does. I don't know whether it's talking about the occult. I don't know whether it's talking about once on fire churches that have turned away from God's word. In fact, as many of you, many of you know this, I've, I've seen many high school students graduate and they have a desire for God's word. They go to Christian colleges and they come out atheists because there is something wrong within the educational system. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I think all of us know that's why just about anybody here that that has children, you really don't want to send them to a public school. You want to send them to a Christian school. At least there, there's a chance they might not be brainwashed. Well, here he says, you make those of synagogue of Satan. I don't know where this place is. But Jesus says it's real. There's a place of generation for the things of the underworld who say they are Jews and are not. Now, who are Jews? Those were the people who were supposed to have known who God was. You see, Jesus, the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. Why was that? Because they should have known who he was, but they didn't. They were blinded by pride. They thought they were going to heaven because our father Abraham said, or Moses taught us. You see, they were hooking their religious experience, not to God personally, but to something else. Their heritage, or their tribe, or their, their culture, or their nation. A lot of people do that today. You'll walk up to somebody and say, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, my money says in God we trust. Well, I ain't going to buy anything. I saw a sign one time when I went in a store. In God we trust, all others pay cash. I thought that was interesting. But the point is, is that really when we look at this, God has uh, a word for us and that he wants to keep us from failing. These people who claim they were Jews... They weren't really what they said they were and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and know that I have loved you. You know why? Because when you're loved by God, it shows on your face. You know, you can, if you don't have a relationship with God, things get pretty overwhelming. You can get downcast pretty easy. 
Your heart can be pretty smashed because there's no one there to lift you up. And by the way, if you don't have Christian friends that will gather around you and say, hey, we're going to make it through this. Jesus is coming back. Don't worry about it. Hey, it's all going to burn. You know, then we don't have to worry so much about it. And I need to be reminded of that. Oh, you could be a Christian. You can be a Christian for many decades. But you can have those lapses of faith. You can have those, those times in your life where you, where you just say, well, God, I, I'm just frustrated and I don't know what to do and everything's gone wrong and I've lost my job. And, I, 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 I. and God brings along people who love him and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be good. You see, that's the encouragement of the saints. People know that I have loved you. That's what the Bible here says. And because you've kept... Now, if you have a new King James or some of these other versions, there's a, a, a deviation from the, the, the real Greek here. And I just want to share this with you. In verse 10, it says, Because you have kept my word, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world. Some of your versions may read, my commandment to persevere or something else, that is not correct. The original word there is the word logos, which means the word. What word? The Bible. Satan came to Jesus. Jesus was led in the wilderness. Many of you remember the story in the book of Luke chapter 4. And um, Satan came testing him. If you're really... God's son, command this stone to be made bread. Again, we remember that Jesus could have turned the whole mountain into bread if he wanted to. But Jesus didn't want to use his authority and power for himself. That's what, the, that's what that temptation was. And when we remember Jesus goes on, and in fact, when he was saying, Satan start quoting scripture to him, cast yourself off the pinnacle here. The, your, the word says out of Psalms, the angels will bear thee up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Um, he, by the way, Satan didn't quote the whole verse. He didn't quote it properly. But Jesus responded and he said that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So again, if we know God's word, that's going to help us defend ourselves against the devil. The devil doesn't like the Bible. Because it's truth. And he's a lie. And so he knows how to twist it to make it not mean what it says. Well, notice it says here, because you have kept my word, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world. I believe this is speaking here of the rapture of the church. There is a time that God is going to judge the world for their wickedness, for their sin, for their ungodliness, all the things that we see. And I think even people that aren't born again sometime look and say, gosh, the world is so wicked. Do you realize how many billions of dollars Hollywood makes every year based upon a, a redeemer coming and stopping the wickedness of the world, whether it's Batman or whether it's, you know, Arnold or somebody else, you always see normancy then you see something bad happen and a bunch of hoodlums come along and they have the little bat in the sky and Batman jumps in his fire mobile and he goes down and he beats up all the bad guys and once again, Gotham is happy. Notice that? Well, basically, that's the story of the world. We lived in a beautiful place, the Garden of Eden. Sin comes along, wrecks it. Satan is bad. Jesus sends and comes and, and redeems man 
and then redeems us all back into a place of a place uh, that will be what we call heaven and that we all look forward to. But you see, the world is lost. There's a judgment coming upon the world. And here he says, because you've kept my word, I'll preserve you. I will take care of you through that. It says, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world, not just Jerusalem or the Roman Empire. This is why I have such terrible problem with what's called replacement theology that says all of Revelation happened in 70 AD. That is the worst doctrine that's out there because it requires somebody to twist God's word into say something that it doesn't say. When the Bible says every living thing in the sea die, friends, that did not happen in 70 AD. Well, that's metaphorically speaking, watch out. Revelation 22 says, if you take away the words of this book, God will take your name out of the book of life. Pretty serious for tampering with this book. I don't do that. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.